0: I'm Charlotte and I'm Helly, and welcome to 20s Are Hard, our fortnightly podcast on surviving your 20s. How have you been? Not too bad, definitely better probably than the last time we spoke. Still, still feeling those ups and downs big time but um, there's been some good progress with changes and today we heard that they're going to be lifting some restrictions in Australia which is relieving to hear. They've kind of given a rough timeline which is it doesn't mean it's going to happen for the state that I live in necessarily, but it means the government's allowing it to happen if states decide to. So that's kind of massively changed my outlook today. Um, that's good. Yeah, it's been, I kind of underestimated how much having that kind of end date on there was having an impact. Um, it's kind of nice to be able to fit that into the whole schedule of our time in Australia kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um, It's weird though, because then the last week I felt like I've been getting into a really good routine. So I don't know where that's come from, but I finally feel like I've hit a kind of a stride with stuff. I mean, maybe that's just because like the, the stride is watching a good movie every night before I go to bed. Maybe I've just, I've never done anything like that before. And I feel like, um, it's just a bit of a novelty to watch something different every night. I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but
1: yeah, I totally get what you mean. Like we, um, this has now been what week I think I'm on week eight now and week seven was by far the toughest I've had like it was very emotional (laughs) there are a lot of tears um it just really got to me and I just I really felt like the heavy fog of everything but this week it feels like that fog has lifted a little bit um and I'm starting to get into a bit more of a routine so now it's almost the other way of do we want to lift it too soon obviously no um and what happens if we do in the fear of that because I feel like we're all just starting to get into a routine but one of the things I'm really trying to do is just kind of stay in my lane as it were and keep the blinkers on and just go look I'm doing everything within my power to not spread anything and not burden the NHS and not you know make this situation worse um and so are the people around me and that's all we can do Like, it's heartbreaking to see the number of people who are just sitting in parks and having picnics and going for socially distanced walks with friends. Like, I just feel like you're missing the point. Um, And I think that was the thing last week that really started to get to me, is I was like, I feel like I'm making a lot of sacrifices and that's the sacrifices I'm making are nothing compared to those that some people are making. So to see, like, Bill and Sally going for a picnic in a park and sitting there, I'm like... Really, that's just not okay. But this week, I've kind of taken a bit of a step back from social media, had some time yeah. on Instagram and all that kind of thing, where um, I think a lot of that kind of thing is going on, and just try to focus on what I'm doing and the positive things I can do. So, you know, I'd, I'd recommend taking a break from it all, really, if you can.
0: Yeah, I think because I've felt more stressed out by seeing what's happening in the UK. Than what's happening here, because I almost I feel the same as you, but I'm so far removed from it that I almost feel helpless. Even though I know that there's nothing that I can do, especially from here. But I have all my family and all my friends there, and I just keep seeing those news updates every single day about how things just aren't. I mean, they have improved a bit in the UK, but it's not. I don't know. It baffles me that they're talking about lift, lifting restrictions at the same time as Australia is right now, and Australia's only had 97 deaths
1: and the... my god that's amazing I mean obviously it's amazing, but you know what I mean
0: yeah but th- that's what I mean that they're, they're talking about lifting restrictions at the same time as we are and they've had over 30,000 I feel helpless because I've all my friends are friends and family and I'm so worried about them but also I, just like you said I'm doing everything that I can here and even more so, there is nothing more than I that I can do for the like for people in the UK because I'm so far removed from it. And I think when I think about that too much, it kind of stresses me out because it's it's like a way bigger problem than I could even try, try to kind of deal with, yeah. and wrap my head around. But.
1: I think the thing I've just been trying to realize as well is that this is such a roller coaster or corona coaster, as one person said to me last week, which <laughs> I really liked. Um, such a corona coaster of emotions that there are going to be days and weeks where it just feels impossible to move forward. And then one day you will wake up and it will feel a little bit better. And that's what I'm trying to focus on. And when I'm feeling better, I'm trying to make sure I exercise and eat half decently and try and get out for my state sanctioned exercise and all that sort of thing. So that if my, if I don't feel as great, I don't have to then pile that on top of everything, but we're getting there and the sun is shining and I'm trying to find the little positive things like we've got a long weekend this weekend because it's V day today um so we're gonna have like a barbecue in the garden we're gonna have a cream tea in the garden and we're gonna pop up some bunting and no it's not the same as all the street parties that would have happened and all the wonderful celebrations there would have been but you know you you've kind of just got to make the best of what you've got right now. And we're very fortunate that we have outside space and that we can do those things. So that's what I'm trying to focus on. Like I'm trying to stop feeling guilty that I have an outdoor space and worry. Oh, you definitely
0: things. shouldn't feel guilty. Like God, oh, enjoy so, that.
1: I felt so guilty about it. Cause I
0: know I'm so, so lucky to, um, yeah, but you didn't choose that. It's not like you stole it from someone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, that's also very true. I did not steal anyone's garden um but yeah it's, it's all those kinds of things I'm trying to not get bogged down in it and go okay this is my reality can I make other people's reality better yes or no let's not get bogged down in the rest of the detail and trying to carry on um but with that do you want to start our recommendations
0: yes um so my first recommendation this week it was going to be another book I finished two books this week I was really flying through them and the first one I absolutely loved but the book that I've actually decided to recommend is one that I finished last night and I actually stayed up until about 1am finishing it because I couldn't put it down which was obviously not a great idea because I had to get up for work this morning but um it's called The Silent Patient um it came out last year and it's sold tons of books it was in the richard and judy book club so it is a popular book anyway but oh my gosh i loved it because i did not see the twist coming i can usually kind of maybe figure out where it's going or which character is going to be involved and i had absolutely no clue literally until the sentence before when i put it together and i realized what was happening i was like oh my god it was really, really good, and it's a, um, it's kind of a mystery, like a psychological mystery thriller, but not in a scary way. It's basically a woman um, killed her husband and then attempted suicide, so it looked like a murder suicide. But she, she was taken to hospital and saved, um, and from that point on, she didn't speak again for six years. So she's um, in a um, like psychiatric uh, prison ward and it's told from the perspective of a new um, psychotherapist who comes in and is convinced that he can help her and it's just it's not scary or disturbing or it's unsettling I'd say but if if kind of scary books aren't your thing you don't need to worry about that it's just a really really good easy to read but really kind of captivating mystery thriller if you're looking for something like that
1: I love that you knew I was going to ask you whether it would scare me
0: (laughs) yeah I really I I, the only reason I specifically said that is because I know that you've been watching like the stranger and we've discussed safe and everything and I think it's kind of along the same lines where it's disturbing and you're like oh my gosh what is happening but it's not it's not scary or make you jump or anything like
1: that okay I'm gonna add that to my very long reading list um And it's the perfect segue because my first recommendation is a book this week. Although I'm going to be cheeky. It's not a book. I'm going to cheat and say it's an author because I read both of her books back to back last weekend and I never, you know, at the end of a book, they sometimes put a chapter of an author's like other piece of work there. Yeah. Generally speaking, I never read that because I'm like, eh, but this time I did. And I, so I have my Kindle, I'm obsessed with my Kindle. Um, so I read the first chapter of the next book and I downloaded it immediately to carry on because I couldn't put it down. So it's Celeste Ng who wrote Little Fires Everywhere and also um, Everything I Never Told You. So I started by reading Little Fires Everywhere because um, Reese Witherspoon's production company have just launched the TV show for it. And oh. I love a lot of the stuff that she has adapted and done in the past. Like I thought Big Little Lies is amazing and I really wanted to read this before I watched it. And that is a brilliant book, like the characters are just so well developed in it and it kind of, it wasn't what I expected, like there was so much background to all the characters but it didn't feel, like each of them had like a very worthy story, if you know what I mean, you know how sometimes people look back on like a character's backstory and you'll be like, oh that felt a bit irrelevant and wordy, Yeah, it's just added so much to the story. Um, And then at the end of that was the first chapter of Everything I Never Told You. And I think if I had to pick one, I preferred Everything I Never Told You. Um, Just because it was such an interesting look at, it. it basically about a young girl who dies. And that's how it starts. And then it kind of traces back to find out why she died, how she died. And it kind of tells, like, it's the experience of all of the people in her family and from the surface, they're like a really normal, happy family. And the line is like, She would never kill herself. Someone must have killed her because, you know, she's so happy and so successful. And who would kill her? Like, why would anyone do this to her? But it's fascinating look at like how how your parented impacts your parenting. That was the big thing that I took from it. Yeah. Um, I, th- cool. I think you'd love it how like, I'd really recommend it. it. It's worthy of all the hype it gets, but now I'm just like longing for something else that she writes because I just want to read more from her.
0: Yeah. I started reading one of her books a couple of years ago and I never finished it. Literally just, I say a couple of years ago, it was last year. Um, <laughs> and I never finished it because we left the UK and I left the book there. And now, now I've heard a glowing recommendation. I will download it and read it here definitely
1: I would I'd highly recommend I can't wait to watch the TV adaptation of Little Fires Everywhere because um, I just I love seeing like how they do it and I'm interested to see how they translate that onto screen but yeah I really enjoyed yeah. it and I read I finished I read the entire of everything I never told you in I think it was two days I started it on Friday night and I finished it on like Sunday morning and nice you know I don't read like that Hells, like that doesn't happen so <laughs>
0: That is impressive. I'm impressed.
1: What's your next recommendation?
0: Um, my next recommendation is an app um, that we've been using when we when we've been running. Actually, it's called Runkeeper, and it's by Asics. Um, and it's not just your kind of standard running app, and you don't need to pay for. I mean, I think you can pay for parts of it, like a personalised training plan and things, but. The reason I really like it is because t- we were doing runs and we were building it up and we were up to two miles every day and then Taylor hurt his knee. So we've kind of been off running. We've just been walking. Um, but I discovered that this app, you can actually build your own workout and set like an interval training workout and you can completely customize absolutely everything about it. So how long you want each interval to be, it doesn't have to be the same length interval all the way through you t- tell it how many times you want to repeat it and it I just put it in an armband on my arm and it tells you when to do it it gives you a little beep and it updates you as you're going around and it's just for a free app it's just a very intuitive one and I've really enjoyed using it and I actually get really excited to turn it on when I start running.
1: I love the sound of that because I often like I sometimes don't fancy doing couch to 5k, but I want something that's like prompting me to remember to run, to walk, that kind of thing. That sounds really useful.
0: Yeah, I think because it's got the prompt, it does make it so much easier. And because we're just trying to get back into the running slowly, especially because of Taylor's knee, we've just been like building up. So we were doing 30 minute walk, uh, 30 second walk, 30 second jog, and then build it up to like a minute walk and a minute jog, and then kind of picking up the pace from there. And you can just entirely make your own training like workout session so it suits you which is pretty good
1: very nice
0: um what's your second recommendation
1: so my second one is quiz which is a tv show that launched a couple of weeks back in the uk and it's a dramatization of when charles and diana ingram allegedly cheated on who wants to be a millionaire by coughing and i feel like you might actually remember this happening because it was in oh god what year i want to say 2001
0: yes i do remember
1: this (laughs) And it was like a huge thing at the time. And obviously, who wants to be a millionaire is such a big thing. I didn't realize how many territories it had been sold to. And it had like 19 million viewers at one point. Like it's, It was so much bigger than I ever realized. But it, for those of you who don't know, this guy went on the show, did pretty like badly on like the first night. And on the second night, he got all the way to a million. And the allegation was that he and his wife had cheated um, and they had another guy involved who was coughing, and they were coughing whether or not he got the right answer or wrong answer and that kind of thing. And I watched it purely because everyone told me I should. Um, and I just thought it was absolutely brilliant. Like the comedy in it, it's a lot funnier than I thought it would be. <laughs> it's a very, very British humour. It's just so like, if you feel a bit homesick, I feel like it would really soothe that need for like something so British, like. Short of a waitress tin of shortbread, I don't know what could be more British. <laughs> um, but the acting is brilliant. Um, I always get these two confused, which is awful, because there was a whole like Twitter storm about ITV using the wrong name. But I'm pretty sure it's Michael Sheen who's in it. He was Tony Blair, right, in The Queen? Yes. Yes. Um, sorry, Michael Sheen. Who did you get confused missing? with? Um, Martin Sheen. I don't even know. If I... Like one of them really needs to change their name. It's not all right. <laughs> Who is Martin? Mm-hmm. Anyway, think for another day. But he, he, as Chris Tarrant, was absolutely brilliant. Oh my god, like, they look really speaking...
0: different. Sorry to interrupt. I've just looked up Martin Sheen. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know they're not similar at all. I know they're not. One is in Love Actually. One is not. Like I just, I just get confused because then I get confused with. Um, President bartlett from The West Wing as well because I feel like he's also called Martin Sheen or something. Anyway, he he is in- the
0: Martin Sheen,
1: the West Wing one. No, 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 no. Who's the guy? Who's the guy who plays the Hobbit? Martin Freeman. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, clearly I know no one. I will now remember who's who. I promise. I'll put more effort into it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry to call you out. Please continue. <laughs> I mean.
1: It's important that you can be called out in life and accept when you've made a mistake. I have made a mistake there, but anyway, it is Michael Sheen who plays Chris Tarrant in Quiz and he is absolutely brilliant. Like the work, I mean, costume and makeup did a phenomenal job, but like everything to the way he speaks and it was just brilliant. And I, it was such a moment, I feel like British TV um, and they've just done such a good job. And the way they leave it, it never really answers the question of whether or not they did it. Yeah. And we finished watching it and we had a long discussion about whether or not we think they did it. And I still don't know. So if anyone else has watched it, I'd be fascinated because they maintain to this day that they did not do it and they did not cheat to a point where they're like trying to overturn the ruling. Did they keep the money? So no, they didn't keep the money. That was, that was basically why I, part of the reason ITV took them to court. Um, it wasn't really ITV, it was a production company, but anyway, um, I it blew all of my expectations out of the water and I, yeah, I've not stopped going on about it. So I'd recommend, it's on ITV, I don't know how you can watch it, if I'm honest, if you're not in the UK. But should we move on to this week's topic? Yes. So this week, we thought it might be nice to have a think about the advice that we would give our younger selves. And the inspiration for this topic came up because I was on Instagram and I looked at my archive and it came up that it was five years ago that the two of us had finished our dissertations at uni and I couldn't believe it was five years. And I just got thinking like, what would I say to that version of myself now? Like, what advice would I give her? Because I feel like she had these huge high hopes and dreams and it just didn't go as smoothly as, I mean, it didn't go as smooth as either of us had planned um but it got me oh, yeah. thinking because I've also been trying to organize my photo albums and I've been going through some really old photos um that I will share with you later Helps, but it just <laughs> really got me thinking to like that version of myself and what I would say to her so today we're going to just chat about what we would just kind of the general advice we would give our younger selves I mean this is a bit of a self-indulgent topic isn't it but um <laughs> I think I think it just be I think it's just like quite a fun thing to discuss and I think all of the advice is still really relevant today. I, there's yeah. things I still need to remind myself of.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a couple of things that I still, even now, I still have to remind myself of on a regular basis. But I think if we're kind of going back to the start, I think something that I really wish I'd kind of been more aware or, aware of and I wish someone had said to me when I was younger, and I think feel like this is so relevant to so many people, but don't be afraid of missing out on On stuff when you're already doing something that you love I think it was like the classic before everyone knew what FOMO was FOMO has always existed it's just that no one had given it a funny acronym but I think there was always this mentality especially at school when you just want to fit in and you want to be with the cool people and you're trying to act cool and you want to be friends with certain people and I think there's this it's that classic grass is always greener mentality but I think there's actually plenty of occasions where I was perfectly happy on my swim team or playing the violin or being a cross-country runner or all of those things I was doing that a lot of them were especially sport-based and probably the cool people maybe weren't really into sport and I almost felt a little bit embarrassed by it and oh I wish I was going out with these friends to the park and doing this and doing that rather than going to training but actually I'm so glad now that I stuck out with some of those things I didn't stick out with all of them and I wish that I had done like things like playing the piano I really wish I'd stuck with that now but I think yeah yeah I think it's so important just not to do things because it's popular or cool but do something that you love and don't be pressured into something else just because you think it's what everyone else is doing
1: It's so interesting you say that because I feel like the first piece of advice that I would give my younger self is exactly like, is very complimentary to that. Um, And like around the age of, around a similar age, I guess, when that FOMO thing kicks in, mine would just be, it's okay if you're a bit different and you don't fit in right now. Like I feel like it took me a really long time to find my people. I don't really feel like I found my people till I was an adult and I went to university. And I remember like, I remember so vividly And this will probably make you feel sad, so I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) But I remember so vividly sitting there sobbing after school one day. And my aunt like my aunt, was over and she was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I have no friends and I don't fit in. I'm never going to find any friends. And she was like, you will. You're just a bit different. And that is absolutely fine. And I wish I'd understood that. And I wish I could go back and go like, she's absolutely right. You will have great friends. You will have a great time. But actually all those things that make you feel like you don't fit in now, other things that are gonna make you more successful later on and help you find better friends later on in life
0: yeah it's actually my next piece of advice is almost exactly that I've actually written down you don't need to worry about trying so hard to fit in you'll find your people whether it's at uni or your job it'll be later in life and it's quality not quantity for friends and I really believe (laughs) that so much now
1: Yeah. And it's so true, isn't it? Like all I can think is when I was younger, I was like, oh God, there! I should be more like this or I should do this and I should try and fit in because those people are going to that party and I want to go there. And, oh, I've not been invited to that. And it's all I worried about. And I never like, I never just relax into my own personality. Yeah. And I was so worried about not having friends that I didn't, like I didn't give myself a chance to just kind of, I guess I didn't give myself a chance to, um like be myself and think people might be attracted to that
0: yeah do you know what I I mean I feel like we're both kind of similar in that I feel like we're both like fairly confident now in the right scenario with people that we we know or with complete strangers I find but then that weird bit in the middle where you kind of know people ish but you're not sure where you stand with them I felt like I felt like that a a lot around people at school and I wasn't confident enough to really push myself out there and be who I was And instead I tried to be something that I wasn't, but obviously that didn't work because in the long term that never actually works.
1: That is such a good way of putting it. It's like that kind of, it is that exact feeling that I still get now if I'm with people that I don't know that well and I'm like, oh, like, what can I say? What can't I say? It's that exact feeling that I had for like 10 years.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I get it so much now because I always get almost annoyed with myself that I'll start a brand new job and I will be super outgoing and confident. And that's because I don't know these people and I want to make a good first impression and I want to kind of establish myself. But then it gets to a weird point where I've kind of learned about the dynamics of people and I kind of know that I should be a bit wary about around some people, but then some people are holding on to all the cards and you are aware of all these dynamics. And because you don't know the people well enough, it kind of makes you shrink back into yourself a little bit
1: yeah totally and I like it's definitely something I still do now I just think I spent so much of my younger years doing that and I wish I hadn't yeah and I wonder if like I wonder if I missed I guess it goes back to that FOMO thing of I wonder if I missed out on stuff because I tried so hard not to miss out on stuff
0: yeah yeah exactly that and I think again, I, I realise it's kind of merged two bits of advice into one. But now I re- I truly realise that it's the quality of friends and not the quantity. And I thought being friends with everyone was the most important thing. Now I realise that it's having that small group of friends who really have your back and you have theirs that's far more important.
1: Oh, definitely. And I think like another on the like theme of friendship, another thing I would tell myself at like, 13, 14 is that you have to value your friendships and you have to put the work in and you like you should prioritize your friendships because I think and I don't think I'm alone in this that kind of that age you start like discovering boys or you start going to parties and you kind of maybe like childhood friends you had like you start to grow apart from and it all feels very like I I was not the best version of myself at that time. (laughs) And I know I'm not the only person to be like that, but I just wish I could go back and be like, "Mm, don't ditch all your friends just because you have a crush on a boy. Like, that's not, that's not all right. Like, and actually valuing your friendships is so much more important. And I think it's something I have got a lot better at now. Like, I would would call myself quite a good friend now, but 13, 14 year old Charlotte was not maybe prioritizing her friendships as much as she probably should have.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like, Because I was never really, I don't know, I was never really on to the boy scene that much. I wasn't really, I don't know. Oh, the boys didn't like me. (laughs) Well, I I was just never, I was the person that absolutely despised every friend that ditched me for a guy. And to to a point, like I was still holding on to that, even like at uni with people that I'd met there, like this is in no way directed at you. I literally know you're going to be thinking that right now. But as someone whose boyfriend lived in Prague for the majority of your relationship, like or well, the majority of the time I've known you, this is in no way directed at you.
1: I didn't think it was, Annie. You didn't know me at 13. I wouldn't like 13-year-old Charlotte anymore. I mean, there's a lot of traits of her that I wouldn't like anymore. Some of it I just feel sorry for her. But anyway, carry on.
0: But no, I just feel like I really held on to that as a kind of grudge, which is probably another piece of advice I would give my younger self but also still myself now because I know I'm really bad at it but sometimes some grudges are just not worth holding on to right.
1: oh that should have been a piece of advice I put on this list because god I need to learn that now I'm learning it <laughs> like I am slowly learning that you don't actually have to hold a grudge against everyone and there is no benefit to it like there really isn't yeah but my god we can hold grudges till the cows come home
0: yeah, and I've started to realize now, especially with like some relationships, that holding the grudge is just going to make me. It ju- I just hold a hold a whole. Uh, I just hold a whole load of kind of bitterness that that the other person doesn't feel, so they're completely unaffected. It's just me.
1: It's it's that old thing of when you hold a grudge or when you're angry at someone and you don't, and they aren't aware of why, you're only punishing yourself. Like. In those circumstances, and you know, there have been really good reasons to hold grudges in my life, but I've held on to them thinking it's hurting the other person. All it's doing is hurting me and making me miserable. And the second you either let go of it or decide to reconcile if you can, it's like you free yourself. Like I genuinely believe that forgiving someone or forgiving a situation is the greatest gift you can give yourself. I appreciate that not everything is forgivable, but the majority of things are. Um, Yeah. And I wish, I just wish I'd realized that sooner. But I think, I mean, I just want to clarify, it wasn't like I had loads of boyfriends and I ditched my friends for them. (laughs) I just, it was, it goes back to that FOMO thing, I think of like, there were like other groups of friends and some of them spoke to boys more than others. And I thought like, it was almost like this horrible narcissistic wanting to like network and be friends with everyone and be liked by everyone. And now I'm like, God, no, like that's not all right. Like, don't do that,
0: yeah, like that's exactly that. what I was saying. Like, you think that the, the thing to aim for is to have as many friends as possible, but actually, like, that's just yeah. exhausting. And really, how deep are those friendships? Whereas now, I have a handful of very, very close friends, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that handful of very good friends for thirty vague friendships. Like, I would not at all.
1: Mm. No, I completely agree with you. What um, What's the next bit of advice you'd give your young self?
0: I guess a little bit in relation to what you were just saying about the holding a grudge, but this, from a very, very young age, I had this weird kind of thing about not showing emotions. And I wish I'd kind of, someone had said to me, don't be afraid to show or feel your emotions. And I don't know where that came from. I don't know if it was because I was surrounded by a lot of people who appeared strong, but I was too young to Mm -hmm. understand that that might be a front um I don't know if it was just a consequence of certain relationships I don't really know where it came from but it probably wasn't until maybe when I was at uni and I know especially since meeting Taylor as well I'm like okay actually showing emotions is a good thing because then it means that there's something to discuss rather than holding like that like you were saying holding the grudge or holding the resentment and not showing anything how is anyone going to know if anything's upset you and how are you going to address it properly Mm. if you're just going to bury that emotion inside and pretend it doesn't exist I know this has gotten quite deep
1: (laughs) no I think it's important though
0: yeah I just don't think it's healthy and especially when I was younger like this kind of goes back to when I was like 10 11 12 and I was just absolutely adamant like I could not cry like I actually saw crying as a weakness probably most of the way through high school I would only cry if I was like in private and I mean I know now we're always like don't cry at work <laughs> but I mean I feel like that's a more general thing anyway but definitely when I was younger I wish I'd kind of known that it was okay to show your emotions
1: I couldn't agree with you more like I I actually remember the first time I saw you cry when we were at uni I know and... what the
0: story is going to be
1: <laughs> no I'm not going to tell the whole story but um, it, was, it, was, it was just like, I was like, shit, things must be really bad if Helly's crying. Because you didn't cry. But then I felt like I didn't really either. And there was a, there was a real thing for a good few years of our friendship where we were like, nope, we don't cry. Like Ice Queens, we've got like black hearts. We don't feel emotion. Like we would watch a movie like Marley and me and be like, eh, why would you cry at that? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, I, and I don't feel like either of us are like that anymore because I feel like we cry at the most ridiculous stuff now. Like I cried over an Easter egg the other week. Yeah, I'm pretty.
0: Yeah, I don't even need an excuse to cry. Sometimes it just appears when I'm least expecting.
1: But (laughs) I'll I'll see like a cute video or something, and I'll start crying. And I like, I'm not saying we're completely like dysfunctional crying messes all the time, but I do think it's healthier to be able to let that emotion out because I think, yes, you feel. I didn't feel the sadness any less when I didn't show it. Yeah, I like it's still shit. I just then have the pressure of not showing it, like. And I just, there's like times and places, but I wish I'd, I wish I'd known when I was younger, it's okay to be vulnerable around people who care about you.
0: Yeah. I think that's, that's a really good way of putting it actually.
1: Yeah. I'm just so eloquent. We all know I'm not, but it is that thing of, I always felt like even around you guys, I'd be like, no, 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 I can't cry. I can't show weakness. So then when I did cry, it was like something absolute, like the bar had been raised so high that it was like. Panic stations, like what the bloody hell has happened? Whereas actually, it's very normal to cry over things like everyday things. Like, I, my parents aren't really big criers. Like, I didn't grow up in a big crying household, but I know some people have like parents who cry at everything, like at TV adverts, at movies. And I always used to think, God, that's so bizarre, but I'm going to be one of those parents. <laughs> I'm going to be that kind of parent who cries at everything. <laughs> I get emotional, like, watching the London Marathon and stuff like that. Like, Jesus.
0: I saw a video on Facebook yesterday, and it was a woman who had given birth to um, a baby in hospital. She'd had coronavirus, and the baby was, like, the like, youngest. Yeah, and all of the doctors and nurses are, like, lining the corridors, lining up outside. And I realise this is actually an emotional thing. It's not, like, a stupid thing to cry at. But I I was actually crying at how selfless the... the the healthcare workers were because they're the ones doing all this amazing work and they were clapping this couple and this baby and they were crying and I was like oh my gosh they do all this hard work and they're applauding the people like anyway that just made me cry and I was just watching a video on Facebook like I can
1: I am um, did you see the cat video I sent you that really got me
0: I haven't watched it yet
1: so it's this video of this these two little girls they must be like maybe like three or four. They're very young and they have this cat who is like the most patient, amazing, beautiful cat in the world to a point where like they can dress him up as a baby and carry him around on their back. Like you've never seen a cat oh. like this. And then the cat dies <gasps> and then they're so distraught that the mum is like, no, this is like, like she's trying to teach him a about life and everything. And then in the end they get them a new kitten and they were like, girls, that like you've got to understand this cat might not be like Bailey. Like he might not let you do all of these things to him. Like you've, you know, you just have to like really respect the cat this cat oh my god like it like learns to be like the old cat and he like sits up in like their toy car and oh my god heli you've got to watch it like it was every single emotion
0: (laughs) oh my god i need to watch that although this is again maybe it's just the impact of everything that's going on right now but we walked back from the supermarket last night and there was it was completely dark and there was a cat sitting on like a pillar of a doorstep and it was the cutest cat and I actually like welled up because I was just so excited to see a cat and there's this really cute black fluffy one down the street and it just makes me emotional I don't know if it's like me missing my cat at home or whether it just I don't know it's a feel-good feel-good cry I think but
1: (laughs) unless you need them but we we've really tangented about crying (laughs) um Shall I give my next bit of advice I would yes. give my younger self? Please do. So this is kind of what I would say to maybe like 17, 18-year-old me um, because I feel like until the past kind of year or two, I've not really known what I wanted to do. Um, and I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life, but I'm happy doing what I do now. And I just feel like when I was at school, and I feel like you'll relate to this because we went to quite similar schools, um, that unless you really want to be like a doctor or you want to be a lawyer – there wasn't really like a lot of advice like alternative careers like yeah creative stuff like it was like a few people might be good enough to design clothes but short of that there was very little um and i just wish someone had said to me or had the insight to say your job might not exist yet or what you love might not like you might not even know it exists yet um because i think there would have been a lot of comfort in that and it's only now and i can look back i'm like oh yeah of course like a lot of a lot of the things in my job wouldn't have been a thing when I was at school or um, it would have been in the very early days. Like it definitely wasn't a popular thing to do. Yeah. And I just wish someone had told me that because I got so hooked like on the idea of I had to have a career for life because that's what my parents had done. And that's kind of like all the adults I knew had like jobs for life. You worked out what you wanted at 18 and that's what you did. And I think it's just a different reality for our generation anyway. And I do fundamentally think that's a good thing but the pressure I put on myself to know exactly what I wanted to do. And then when I found what I thought it was and I went after it and I hated it with every bone in my body, I felt like i had failed. And of course I hadn't failed. Like that is just not how this works. But I wish I'd just understood that the job that I would end up doing might not even exist. It might not be a popular thing. Like there are so many opportunities arising every single day now that you don't have to have like this perfect career mapped out
0: yeah that's so true and yeah I do agree that we went to very similar schools with similar outsets like outsets mindsets I think it's it's definitely something that it's always going to be evolving and I know we've discussed it before but portfolio careers are what our generation has now it's not it's not that job for life and even more so in my mind I think don't Leading on from that, I don't think you should kind of assume because you weren't good at a subject at school that that doesn't mean you can't have some sort of aspect of that in your future or vice versa. If you're told you're really good at something, you also don't have to pursue that because I've worked in sales now for what, five years, four years. I love spreadsheets. I love formulas. I love numbers and reporting. People come to me because I'm the one that's good at reporting. And I hated maths. I absolutely despised it through tantrums. I was a horrible student in my maths class. And if you'd have told me when I was at school that I would end up loving spreadsheets and numbers, I just wouldn't have even believed you. And I mean, I did an English literature degree. And yes, I did end up working in publishing, but it was still in sales. And I think, yeah, just don't get too hung up on those like kind of very static subjects in school of science, maths and English, because that's not how the world is actually split in career terms.
1: Yeah. Like I hated maths and loved politics and people thought, oh, well, should be a politician. And actually both of those skills I now have within my job, but in very different ways, because you learn different things from different subjects. And it's not as linear as that, as they tell you in school. Yeah, And it isn't, oh, you're good at science go and be a doctor like even with those traditional careers there's a lot of nuances in it now and I just I just wish I haven't put so much pressure on myself really
0: (laughs) yeah I think my the next bit of advice I have is leads on like exactly from that but just stop and I really need this advice now like every single day but stop worrying because things will work out in the end and I really do firmly believe that like as much as when it feels like there's no light at the end of the tunnel and I'm also not saying just slack off and something will fall into your lap because it won't. But all I'm saying is that if you work your ass off because you know what you want and you're trying to get there, it might feel frustrating and like you're never going to get there. But but the chances are you probably will. If you're working hard, it's for a reason and it's because you're determined. I, I don't think you should worry about getting it here and now. I know we've spoken about kind of the, the article a few weeks back and um, we were saying people comparing themselves to someone who's been doing that job for five years it's not just going to happen instantly but it will work out if you keep working hard at it and just worry less about it i wish i'd worried less
1: i feel like that perfectly leads on to my final bit of advice for myself i don't know how many more you have but this is the last one i have for myself um and it's along that thing of like you don't have to do it all and you don't have to be successful in inverted commas by the time you're like 21 that's not like I feel like I'm behind in where I should be in my success and I felt that for a while and one of the things that really changed my mindset on this was a podcast I listened to um a couple of when did I listen I mean everything's blurred into one I can't remember when I listened to it but it was relatively recently um and it was one of the adulting podcast episodes about success and um they interview who is it the vice president of marketing from Bumble or someone like she's had this amazing career and they talk about success in it and I wish I'd listened to that years ago or someone had said it to me years ago because I've felt like you have to hit like success by time you're like 25 and that's not a thing because for a start success changes and what you define as success changes but there isn't a competition like there isn't a race you don't have to feel like you have to have done it or, or you failed and it's not like you don't have to You don't have to constantly be doing it all all of the time. You can just you can just work hard and know that it will fall into place. And just because you aren't there at this moment in time, doesn't mean that you won't get there.
0: Yeah, I think that's so true. And like when I worked in Nottingham and I left that job and I thought, oh God, I'm never going to find something that works. I'm never going to get into publishing. I worked hard. I did tens and tens of interviews, and then I did get there eventually. And then I quit that job two years later, moved to Australia, worried about not getting a job here, ended up getting one that's worked out really well. Like, this is a thing, I worry about it so much, but if you're determined to do something, you will make it happen. And I think putting that pressure on yourself that you have to do it in by a certain time or in a certain way, it, it might be motivating to a point, but it's not really helpful for your mental health or your outlook while you're trying to get there. I think you just need to, Get there when you get there.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like keep working hard, keep going. But just trust in the process a little bit, I guess. Like trust that these things take time, but it doesn't mean that you can't it doesn't mean you won't get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just have one last one to add. Go for it. Which I've preached about a million times before, so it's not gonna be a very long one. But I wish I had been bigger advocate of getting out of my comfort zone more when i was younger because i feel like i've only started doing it i can see a clear cut line 2017 is when i started doing it and i wish that i'd done it when i was younger because now i've pushed myself outside of my comfort zone even if it's just saying yes to things i wouldn't normally or accepting offers or new projects or a trip somewhere or whatever it might be i think it's a great way to meet new people is the bottom line And having new experiences throughout your life by getting out of your comfort zone, I think it just makes you a far more grounded and kind of self-aware individual by having all these interactions that are outside of your normal routine. And I just, again, instead of just doing what I thought was cool and popular, I wish I had got outside of my comfort zone and done that more when I was younger because... maybe would have had a kind of more rounded experience then rather than it being I mean I'm not saying it's too late because I'm only in my 20s and obviously I'm always trying to do that now as well but I wish I'd realized that more when I was younger
1: no I know what you mean I think it's not it's never too late to push yourself outside your comfort zone ever like no matter what your age but when you know when you know how good it can be you wish you'd known it earlier
0: yeah, and I get that it's scary. Like that's why it's called your comfort zone because when you're out of it, it is uncomfortable. But I really do think the rewards from doing it are, even if it goes wrong and you just learn a lesson, I don't think there's ever a, like a bad occasion to just try something different because bottom line, you mm. learn that it's not for you.
1: I agree so I think that's kind of all the advice we have that we would give our younger selves this week we hope that you've enjoyed it and haven't found it too self-indulgent um and that it's been useful in some ways I, I just think it's nice to reflect on like how you've changed in the past how many years and kind of the things that you wish you hadn't worried about as much um but we hope... yeah and I'm
0: sure there'll be more advice
1: further down the line as well that
0: when I'm in my 30s and 40s I wish I'd known in my 20s yeah, I,
1: but... I soddle, <laughs> like I've just lent into the fact that I don't really know a lot um you only know what you know, don't you? And there's always more to learn, which is a great thing, I think. But we hope yeah. you guys are all staying safe and well. And um and don't forget you can get in touch with us on our Instagram page at twenties a hard or
0: via email which is 20 are hard at gmail.com and don't forget to rate review and subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're listening on whether that's spotify acast or apple podcasts because it helps other people find the podcast
1: it really does we're very very grateful for all the reviews we get but um stay safe and we will speak in a couple of weeks time bye bye